Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's most prominent media, we'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Experts Podcast. Hello, Lana Hill. Hello, Nick Hayes. It's, um, this is a bit of a tough topic for me, I've got to say, just to kick off. I'm going to get a little bit emotional, yeah, a little I can bit tell uh, already. to pull up because I think it's one of those things. Both my parents passed away uh, from cancer oh. and both went through chemotherapy. That's so rough. And uh, look, you know, and, and I know that a lot of people will be listening to this and will be saying, well, you know, oh, they probably know someone that has experienced of cancer or yep. has gone through chemotherapy. Um, but uh, look, it's, oh, I don't want this to be a downer. This is not going to be a downer kind of podcast, but I just want to preface this is that um, this is this is something that I'm actually quite passionate about. But uh, we're going to talk to chemo at home. And yes. these two lovely ladies, Lorna Cook and Julie Adams, they're here in the studio. And can I just say from the offset, you two are awesome, all right? Because uh-huh. what you're trying to do and what you're out, out there as a, as a chemo at home because if there were, sorry, you guys haven't even said a word yet. Please say a word now. <laughs> my, my word was going to be, oh, thanks, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's such an emotional and also to uh, an issue when someone has cancer and when you're talking about that within families. It's such an issue that you sit there and you go, you can't really understand what the person who's going through it is going through, but also to the family members around and the friends, etc. sort of quite, can't quite understand either. And if you've ever been in a hospital when you're watching your mother yeah. getting chemo, it's probably the most heart-wrenching things that you can actually possibly do. How do you two do it? Ooh, <laughs> thanks for having us, Nick. Let me start off by saying we don't actually do it. We have a team of yeah. amazing nurses and pharmacists that we've handpicked across Australia that do it for us. Julie had a lot of experience um, previous to us starting the company together. So Julie is absolutely stunningly clever in developing processes and systems to ensure safety and to look at developing the company and the workforce. I obviously am the beauty of the company, if she's the brains. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. I've got a face made for podcasts. Oh, you two, cut it out. You're both beautiful. You're both gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. So um, we, we try to put the business together to work on the business as much as we can and we leave the in part of the business to the, the fantastic team of around 80 people across Australia that we have wow. now. Mm. Uh, pharmacists ensure all the safety and all the mechanisms and all the protocols are in place. And the nurses are all really highly trained and qualified chemotherapy nurses. And they go out and visit those patients and bring such love and compassion and expertise to administering chemotherapy to patients in their own home or their workplace, can I say. Yeah. Because um, I'm I'm talking over Julie, but who is the expert, but a lot of people don't know that chemotherapy these days, there's a lot of immune therapies, the newer drugs that Ah. aren't 
that have made cancer more a chronic illness. Right. In many cases. And so these patients are staying on infusions for a long, long time. And um, if they had to keep going in and out to hospital, a lot of people get that treatment fatigue and they don't want to keep going to hospital. I they, can imagine. They feel they're a burden on other people having to go with them and bring them home and such. So, you know, patients are embracing this home treatment. Amazing. And I think also too, um, from treating people who have had a life-changing event, it's extremely humbling yeah. and it always brings you back to what's important in life. So I think that the people that work in this area, including ourselves and all our team, feel just so very, very privileged to get to meet people at such a vulnerable time in their lives yeah. and to really make a difference. It's one of the times when you can feel that you've actually changed someone's life. Totally. And the impact of that is incredible and what it does for you as a person. It's that whole thing of it's nice to receive, it's even better to give. Uh, and I think that all our team really live and, and breathe that. It's a really nice way to look at it, Julie, because I think that, you know, when I first thought, when we first met and you were looking to take your message to the, the media and take your message to the ma the masses was that, this has got to be a hard gig to do because you are dealing with such vulnerable people and also heartbreaking some of the stories, the backstories that are of the very people that you're treating. But you just said something then, it was when the most vulnerable and the, the good that can come from this. Lana, that there, vulnerability, I mean, there is nothing more appealing and, and I suppose those real human stories that media are looking for. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, you said it as well, Julie. I mean, it reminds us how you know, really what life is all about, you know, that connection to others and, and making a difference in someone else's life. Um, how old is the business? I mean, obviously we know you guys very well, but for the listeners that don't know Chemo at Home... Almost eight years old. So yeah, in a couple of months, fantastic. we'll be eight years old. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, in a couple of months, Media Stable's eight, eight years old. Well, oh. it must be all the cool kids. We're like twins. We must have yeah. done it around the same time. <laughs> Love it. What, what have been the challenges to telling your story? Because I think Chemo at Home, there's, it's, it gets political. It gets to the health departments. There's a lot of stakeholders mm. in all of this. How have you found the battle to, to tell your story of, of getting chemo done at home? I guess there's two things. The, the first thing is around the patients. It's when you want to tell a story, and you're right, there are so many fantastic stories, but people are very vulnerable. So mm. sometimes yeah. it's really difficult to ask them to step up and, and talk to the media when they and their family are going through a very hard time. With Having said that, we've had people who have, have wanted to do that for us and have absolutely um, gone above and beyond talking to the media to say how great having their treatment is at home. One of the things it does, though, is that it highlights where there's other areas in the system and deficiencies in the healthcare system, which sometimes puts other people off. So, you know, we've had um, people say, why isn't this available in the public sector? Why can you only do it privately? Mm. And we have to try and explain why that is, is that it's very hard to get into the public sector. It's very hard to get meetings with them. It's very hard to get contracts with them. And when we say that, we sometimes sound like we're, um, you know, bemoaning that they won't do something for us and then that we hear back that they're not happy with us. And, and it's not about that. It's about trying, the, the patients trying to get more access to patients in yeah. all aspects of care. But, you know, it, it is a fine line to tread about how you can um, identify and talk about areas mm. where services need to be improved without actually really pissing off the people who are providing those other services. <laughs> well, exactly. And but also, too, they are, you've got to t 
toe that fine line, don't you? Because if you don't, if you annoy people too much, they won't talk to you. And you, if you do, if you don't do enough, they're not gonna they're gonna think you're well, you're irrelevant. Mm. We don't need to cover off. It's just that fine line of uh, of, of of pushing and prodding to make it work and happen. I mean, Lorna, let's look at it. This we're 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 coming from WA um, uh, here. The state government and the health system has basically put ramping. Yeah. Uh, ambulance ramping is up for 4,000 hours a month at the moment. Um, the current health minister w- was complaining about it when he was in opposition that it was at 1,400. It's at 4,000 now, Minister. Um, <laughs> you know, there is an issue here that the hospitals, let alone you know uh, an establishment where we would naturally think that we would get this kind of um, support and kind of service, it would make sense to send it home, wouldn't it? Yeah, it really would. That's what we've been telling everybody <laughs> it, for it, years and years and years. But um, it is such a difficult area to navigate. There are so many stakeholders in, you know, that that can only see it from their own perspective. Yep. And you know, unfortunately, the public patients are often the patients that do need us so much more yeah. we get lots of heart-rending phone calls from public patients and they'll say oh you know i've got a disabled child oh. and um i can't get in for my chemotherapy for my brain tumor it yep. would be so handy if you could come here and we're like have you got private health insurance yeah and yeah. and we don't want to be like that but we can't pluck even if we wanted to donate the time and you can't do that because no. their medical records are in the hospital and yes you know there's a thousand reasons you you can't just pluck a public patient out of all their treatment and mm. just decide to do it you need a doctor and you know all those sorts of things so it it's a very difficult and complex area but um we we're, we're really hopeful because Every health minister we've ever spoken to is if the immediate thing is, oh, what a great idea. It's a really great idea. But then you break it down, there's different hospitals yeah. and different regions and there's different departments and this you know, they're they're nervous that they'll lose funding or they'll lose staff or we'll poach their staff mm. and you know, really and nobody has the time to discuss and debate and, and they're like oh you know we're too busy we're too busy we're but Lorna shouldn't busy. shouldn't the health and the well-being of the very people that this government is supposed to be serving shouldn't they be making that their priority not yeah. the bureaucracy not the who are the stakeholders who's going to be affected by this isn't the health of the people the most important thing so I'm getting I'm getting angry about it because it does annoy me yeah. that we hear stories of ramping ambulance ramping we hear stories of unavailable you know doctors can't see elective surgery cancelled because you know they can't even take patients in this is just near ridiculous you know um, I think one of the major blocking points is that as as a as a government, as an area, they don't usually like to outsource yeah. um, to private companies. So we can kind of understand that. Sure. If they could do it themselves. But yeah. Julie had 10 years' experience in the public hospital sector running a chemo at home service and they closed it down. Yeah. Oh, you know, wow. Because it's, it's in the public system it's very difficult to get financial benefit out of it. So that's the very reason that Julie asked me to be her business partner and we started it privately because it can't be run very effectively in the public service. Right. So if they could do it themselves, the only, like, there is nobody as qualified as Julie and if she couldn't get it to run for a long period of time, 
No one can, I don't think. But let's just say, you know, they could. It's very difficult because they get emergency departments, they get last-minute add-ons and drop-offs. It's very inefficient. As a private company, we've been able to invest our own personal money. We mortgaged our homes to start this company to have all those things that you can't do in the public sector. So it's not like the public sector can do it themselves. Um, so rather than outsource to us, they choose to go without it at all. Yeah. And um, every every it hospital no we've sense. ever tried to negotiate with, they go, this is a terrific idea. We might start our own chemo at home service. And we laugh because we go, <laughs> we've seen this so many times and they, they waste two years or more yep. getting a committee together to look at it. They might be able to do one sort of easy chemo and they go, yeah, we have a chemo at home program. We do a hunt. Last count, it was about 190 different, we call them regimens of chemotherapy, but it's the recipe for yeah. particular types of cancer, that the, the chemotherapy that they need. So we do 190 and they might do one or two and they yeah. say, oh, we don't need chemotherapy, Minister. We already do chemo at home. And it, it's, oh, right. it's outrageous, you no, know. No, someone's got to make a decision and someone's got to stand up and do this because I think, you know, uh, there are certain things that governments do well. I've yet to find it yet, but we'll, we will. Um, but oh, Nick. No, look, oh, sorry, sorry. Sorry, Prime Minister. Sorry, Premier. But look, you know, there is certain things. There's a reason why we do privatise it. It's a reason why the private sector does work over that of a government and particularly the bureaucracy that goes on because it's those hidden people, those faceless men and women behind the scene that you don't know what they're saying and they're just hindering it and stopping it from happening. Mm. All right, I've had my political uh, big stash there. Can I just add, though, too, I think there's a couple of reasons, just in addition to what Lorna was saying, and and the first is that they try to do things at a hospital level. And Mm. as you can probably imagine, what we do is um, on the road. And it's not that much different to, from a logistical point of view, as to delivering pizzas or fixing cars from the RAC breakdown or any other the way you look at that, chemotherapy, it's no different <laughs> to delivering pizzas or yeah. doing, it's, doing a, a tune-up. Logistics. From a logistics point of view, it's not. And so hospitals are really poorly designed for delivering services to people in their home. They're used sure. to people coming to them and that's how their efficiencies work. And they don't want to go to home no. anyway, do they? No, no, not particularly. Otherwise then they, they become defunct. They're, yeah. de- they're not dysfunctional. They're but not but if, if you could imagine, let's just say Sir Charles Gardner set up theirs and yeah. then Royal Perth set up theirs and Junilap set up theirs. You could imagine that, in fact, the patients that were going there, you might have a patient from Joondalup going to see the the, the doctor in Sir Charles Gardner and then yeah. that nurse would have to go to Joondalup but the Joondalup one would have one that was closer but they'd all work in isolation in little silos yes. and they'd be crossing over geographically and it can't that's what makes it really really inefficient and it's not sustainable from an ongoing longevity point of view mm. whereas we have that all set up we can go everywhere because we have you know so many people in this area and so many people in that area and, and we, we batch them together like that yeah. so it's a much more efficient way of running it um, and so I think that from that perspective the, the fact that they don't they can't do that and the other thing that they can't do very well is because they're hamstrung by contracts and things is that when you do things mobile and we all know this you have to do things in minute amounts like so you have we have small defibrillators we have small this we have small that because the nurses have to carry everything yeah. everything small is more expensive you know yeah. you think it shouldn't be it should be less but no it's not it's more expensive and so they can't manage that because they've got these huge clunky things that they have to of manage course. and and, yeah. and you know maneuver and 
the the network that you have to purchase things through can't possibly allow something that costs twice as much because it's half as small. Yeah. Um, you know, so the, the whole system is designed against geographical efficiency and the types of equipment that you need to be able to actually perform the service properly. So they won't let chemo at home, they won't fund the chemo at home, but they'll still let us smoke cigarettes because <laughs> that's good money for the federal government. I love it. All right. <laughs> can I off stop? your soapbox, oh, Nick It's going to take me about six minutes to get off this soapbox. <laughs> this is the biggest soapbox I've You're ever too. stood on. And you didn't mention the building of how many comprehensive cancer centres can we build? Yes. And, and, yeah. and the groups and everyone that's involved and where all that money's being diverted to. Look, stop it now. I'll get in trouble. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. This is a, this is a podcast on media and yeah. I think that you both have done uh, amazing work yeah. and jobs in, in, in telling your story. And yeah, I think yeah. every time that you do get that chance to do it, you just do it so beautifully. And um, I'm Julie, I'm going to re- regale a, a moment there with you when we were at a Meet the Media in Melbourne many, many years ago. And uh, you, we've finished the, the session, the panels, and we were doing a, a media training session. And the media trainer said, who would like to do some media training? You put your hand up and said, well, when's your next media engagement? In fact, it's in five minutes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I was there. Were you there yeah. too? Yeah, that was about three or four years ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> Channel 9 was out the front ready to do a, it a was piece, epic. piece to air with you. It was fantastic. So what's media been like for both of you? How, how, how has media received your message? And, and, and what can we be doing more to be telling? Because I think this story needs to be told further and wider. Well, when we first started and when we met your team, we weren't sure exactly how it was going to work and we, we, we were only a small startup and we've bootstrapped ourselves and we're like, oh, can we afford to do something like this? And we thought about it, it was like, we can't really afford not to do it. Yeah. We yeah. need... We're only a small company. We can't hire a big marketing company or a big PR company to, to go out they there and do anyway, it for Lorna, us. So political so, today. <laughs> yeah. So we 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 have two sort of strategies in our mind is one we we go door to door and we knock on doctors' doors and we wow. say, This is what we do, would you like to and it's very laborious and it's we have a team of reps around Australia that actually do that. And, Fantastic. Um, we go to like support groups for cancer patients or other groups because we, we've we ad- expanded now. We do not only cancer but all the chronic illnesses as well. The sure. drugs are very similar. So that's one way of doing it. And the other way is that we want to tell people. We want the general public. But, of course, we couldn't afford to put a flyer in everybody's letterbox, you know. So... We thought we would take it to the media and, and see what the response would be. And uh, now that we've had work and worked with your teams and figured out what it is that the media wants, it's made it so much easier mm. for us to be responsive. So, for example, at the moment, there's the floods in New South Wales. Sure. Yeah. We have a patient that's desperate not to miss his treatment and he's isolated with the floods. So the SES, I think, are ferrying our nurse across with an SES jacket on a boat through the floodwaters what to treat the patient. What a story that is. So we, we said 
to one of the channels. Would you be interested in that? And I believe that's going ahead tomorrow when the patient's being treated. Oh, wow. If the floodwaters don't recede, there may be a helicopter involved. Oh. That's <laughs> a, that is what a TV story that but is. It's the human side of it. Yeah. Oh, the human story of it. I, think, yeah. I don't think you could get any more so. And it's great for not only the, the media itself, but to tell oh, yeah. that story. But it's mm. telling patients that this is an option to have your treatment at home. Yeah. And, um, you know, patients read that, they see it, they watch TV, and they're like, oh, I didn't even know that was available. Yes. And, and then the next day we get loads of phone calls saying, um, my mother, wow. my father, would they be eligible Amazing. for this? And we're like, yeah. yeah. How come we haven't heard of you? And we're like, well... Sorry, we're doing the best we can as yeah. we grow, but the media is such an important part. Oh, so let's just be clear for the podcast here: if you've got private health insurance, you can get chemo at home. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. There you go. How good! And pandemics too. You know, stuck at yeah. home. So we had so much media during the pandemic, and oh, kind of great. indirect. So um, obviously, as you can possibly imagine. Uh, patients who had poor immune systems didn't want to go to of hospitals. Uh, and many of the hospitals that they were going to were designated COVID centres. Yep. Even people and with good immune systems didn't want to go exactly. to hospitals. Don't yes. not, not, not just yes. the ones that are having yes. you know, those, uh, volatile immune systems. It, yeah. it, COVID scared the hell out of everyone. And in addition to that, even if they could go to the hospital to have their treatment, they now no longer could bring a um, family member with them. Yes. So the family member would have to drop them off and then go away somewhere, then come back six hours later and pick them up or whatever. Mm. So they were there by themselves. It meant if they were given any news or bad news or anything during that time, they had no family support there with them. And and so it was a, a miserable, miserable time for many patients. And and so we had in, we nearly trebled our workload within about three months. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, fantastic. It was, it was an insane period of time. But it, it really made a difference to patients both being aware of our service and recognising the benefits of being treated at home. But we had most of our health funds jumped on board. So Bupa did media, HCF did media, HBF, um, HBF did media. We, so we had a, a range of different uh, stories go out through our health funds yeah. on how they were supporting their members during the <laughs> pandemic. Um, <gasps> and, and that has a knock-on effect to us, you know. I, I love that they did it. Were they doing it before pandemic? Was it... Medibank Private. Medibank had, Private had yeah, done it. Do, okay. Yeah. Well, good so then. Good on you. Yeah. Big funds that have lots yeah. of money, etc. Oh. <laughs> he was getting political again there I for was, a second. <laughs> but you know what? Again, it's 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 pleasing to hear that that they're they're getting behind it because I think that's the kind of thing they need to make the movement happen for their members and look after their yeah. members because a lot of us, a lot of groups and associations, and Lana, we talk about this all the time. Those that represent members. Don't always do that. Act in the or, best interest of in members. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and you sort of worry about that. And I think if this government would just get on the, off its back, you know backside yeah. and started looking after its people, then um, we'd uh, we'd be in a better place. So well, I was t- going to say just on that, one of the things about it is that when they do do that media, um, it's not just the fact that they're doing it; it's the fact that they add credibility to us as well. Sure. Yes. And and th- one of the major issues that patients have when they've got private health insurance is that it won't be covered. So them doing it gives it credibility and it gives people confidence and uh, comfortableness with the fact that their fund's going to cover it. 
Yep. So whilst it's possibly a bit self-serving on their behalf, I can grant you that, but it actually really does do a service to both their members and to us. But it's a win-win. Yeah. You're right. It's a it's win-win situation and that's what we've got to see, yeah. see more of. Okay, radio, television, print or online media, which is your preferred? Yeah, which is your fave? Mm. Come on. Oh. Radio. You like you like the radio? Is it yeah. the, the longer form? The I storytelling? Like, there's a, a lot of reasons I like it. One is that um, sometimes they're pre-recorded, so that's nice, so that yep. you can, if you you know stuff up a question, you can do it again. But the main reason is is that I can just do it anywhere, anytime, sure. any place. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I look like. doesn't matter where I've been. I radio been at home. Radio, <laughs> radio at home. I did one interview. This was the most nuts one I have ever done. I went to – I was in Melbourne and I was – I had been down in a country area and I had driven back – um, I had stopped off to the side of the road to do one interview in some town where I had reception. I had to stay there because I only had reception right there. So I couldn't move until I'd done the interview. And then I had booked to do another interview after I was going to a hospital to meet a doctor about introducing our service there. So I went to the hospital and did and met the, the doctor. And the meeting went for longer than I anticipated. And in my mind, I was so in the moment of talking to the doctor about this, I forgot about the radio interview. Yeah. So I get in my car with the Bluetooth on. I'm on like some freeway west going back into Melbourne. I had no idea where I was going. My GPS was on and stuff. And then my phone rings for the interview. And they go, are you ready to go to air in two? And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And I did this whole interview while having absolutely zero idea where I was going on whatever freeway I was on in <laughs> Melbourne. Had no idea where I, would, where I would end up after this 15-minute segment. Amazing. And and I was just hoping to God that I could concentrate enough on the questions and answer them appropriately. So well, it was, Let alone it was the road. <laughs> concentrate on the road while you're going. Oh, my God. Honestly, if I've never done anything like that before. And I'm like, I will never make that mistake again and take a call for an interview whilst I'm driving. <laughs> Oh. Now you see, I'm the opposite. I hate doing radio interviews for that very reason because I'm frightened that I'll lose my train of thought or, you know, but I like when the um, either the TV stations or the newspapers come to ah. do photos and yep. I've got a patient lined up. I feel like I'm in a lot more control. Sure. Right. So I can... Um, with, with I don't know if you saw recently there was a picture of Julia and myself in the West Australian newspaper in international in relation Fantastic to International pace. Women's Day. Incredible pace. Thank you, thank you. Um, so we organised that through um, yourselves, Media Stable, um, to the the West rang and said, yeah, we'd love to do a piece on female founders, and you know it's International Women's Day. We'll do. I was like, sure, no problem. We'll make this happen. Julie had a a very rare day off. She was up, you know, Yanship somewhere. <laughs> oh, my. And I was like, no problem. I'll have that sorted for in an hour, you say? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> so I was like, 911, Julie, get back to the office. Couldn't get hold of her. I was ringing around all her family members. Get your mother back in the office. <laughs> I said, Julie, go and make yourself look pretty. I was like, oh, my God, what have I worn to work? Um, uh, I lined up a place that I thought would make a great fo photo place. The poor photographer walked in. I was like, over there, up there, Julie will be here in a minute. Julie, comb your hair, right, here we are. I, I was, I <laughs> that's felt how, like that's I was, literally how it works. Yeah. I, I, I felt like I could control everything. 
And the uh, the journalist said, we'd like to write a piece. Um, can I send you some prearranged questions? I was like, no, nah, never mind. I'll write it for you. I'll send it to you. Like, here you go. And she's like, awesome. This is great. Covers everything I need. I oh, like, yeah, well great. played. Oh, actually, no, I reckon I've got something to add to that. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the questions that we had to answer. So I'm in the car and I'm like, Lorna, you're going to have to write the piece because I can't write and drive. I can talk and drive. I can't Apparently write and can't. drive. Well, you know, no, like, you can't. And I, I think the West Australian <laughs> police would see There's that. a road safety yeah. theme here. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, when I get in there, I'll then just add in a few bits from me if I think that needs to be jazzed up a bit. So I get in there and I read it. And Lorna and I are, are very, very different people. I'm yeah. like, you know, the, the boom, 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 hard thinking one. Julie's Lorna's like the national statistics of the 1973 <laughs> legislative requirement and I'm like and Lorna's oh, a light, fluffy, isn't yeah, it? light, light <laughs> and fluffy so she'd written this light and fluffy piece and so I go in and it was about you know it was International Women's Day it was supposed to be about women and it was a business article yes. I'm yeah. like I want to talk about how women businesses don't get enough funding and we can't borrow money and we can't do this and da 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 da, da. I want to I talk about that so I said add all that in right and then we <laughs> send it off so what was published accredited all Lorna's words to me and everything that I wrote was kicked out. And so I like, I oh message no. Lorna, Lorna and I go, I'm so sorry that you didn't par- apparently say anything and it's all, it's all me. <laughs> it but was you know, nice and fluffy though. But, but you it know was. what? That's the beauty of a good team. Good teamwork. You don't, yes. If you were both exactly the same, what your, your article team. might not have even made it at all. No, no. if I'd written it, clearly it would not have. Well, obviously not. <laughs> I'd just like to say Julie was the uh, Telstra Businesswoman of the Year. I knew Knew this and about people Julie. often say, Lorna, why weren't you? And I was like, because I wrote it for oh, Julie. I feel like this is a win beneath my wings that song. We need a song that fading in. You never <laughs> told me. Oh, I love it. I love it. Hey, we are slightly running out of time. Are we? It's gone had, so quickly. Yes, you two jabbering away. You've just, you're just oh, very, very You've good You've held Nick under, under control I today. I feel I got a little political today. You this, did. This is just the first time I've actually done. Thank it, you, but Nick. you know, I, I love that, and I and I think you guys need more people batting for you and yeah. fighting for you because I think those that go through what you treat, um, they need more support. They need more help, Absolutely. and um, you know, having been there and and seeing it in in. You know, look, and to the hospital that it was at, to their credit, they they did it the best possible way that they could. But I had mum been in her own couch, in her own home, and didn't feel the extra stress and everything else that comes with it just would have made it a a lot easier and that Mm. that would have been a lot more special. I think everyone listening today should really get behind this. I think we need to be telling more stories around this because it, it is something, while you might not... You know, no one hopes to get cancer or have to have chemotherapy or any of the other chronic uh, illnesses, chronic illnesses yep. that are involved. But be aware that it could affect you or someone that you love. And, Chances you know, are. we've got to do more of that. Yep. Uh, what is, what is in a very short snapshot there, what is the future there for you two? I mean, you've, you've bootstrapped it. You've been going now for eight years. Where, where are we going with it? Other than oh, when wow. I send this off to Prime Minister Morrison mm-hmm. um, and make sure that he starts to uh, change his attitude towards uh, this whole thing. Well, I mean, you know, we're in Western Australia, South Australia, Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland and the ACT now. Yep. And so really it's about just developing those services up, treating as many patients who want access to therapy as is possible and to help facilitate people being treated at home, you know, whether that's through the public health sector, the private health sector or any other way that we can help them achieve funding for that. Beautiful work, beautiful work. And well if done. you want to find out more about chemo at home, yeah. where can they find you? 
you can go to the website, which is chemoathome.com.au Perfect. or just Google Chemo at Home. There's yeah. only us, really. There's only you. Yeah. And well, you know what? And, and, and all those other hospitals that are coming up with it, stop pretending that you're chemo at home. <laughs> all right, stop it. There's only one and it's privately done and it should be backed by both the state and the federal governments. Well, Lana, a really important one today. Yes, it was nice to see you get emotional, Nick. Oh, I, I do on occasions. On occasions. Yeah. The year was 1984. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you more about it. But no, it's 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 wonderful wonderful to have you both here and we yeah, love what you thanks, do. Yeah, thanks ladies. Keep it keep it going. Big fans. Thank you. Well, that's another experts podcast. It is Nick Hayes. Yeah, and um, look, if uh, just that just that website again is it? It's chemoathome.com.au. Thank you, mm-hmm. thank you. Well done. Um, <laughs> get in there and get in contact with the ladies. Uh, join us again for another experts podcast. We'll be talking to another media, or we'll be talking to another expert. We'll see you next week. You have been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. To get in touch with the team, head to the Media Stable website, mediastable.com.au.